Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back to the Be Unbound podcast. I am your host, David Rethemeyer, and I am joined by Abraham Chen. Uh, this week is episode number 61. Uh, and Abe, you got to have a conversation with Rush and Cindy Cohn, who are a couple of very special people in the Unbound community. Uh, tell us a little bit about them and why people might be interested in listening to this conversation. Hello, David. This week, we really dive into the why. Mm -hmm. Why we do what we do with Unbound, uh, a lot of the vision behind the perspectives and why we want to do college differently. I mean, this is something I get asked a lot of like, so why? What's the big mm -hmm. deal? Well, Rush and Cindy are two of some of the best people to talk about it. I will let myself and the, and themselves introduce themselves soon as you listen to the episode. But just to sum it up really quickly, they are some of the founding board members of both College Plus and also Unbound or the larger um, Unbound company, Boundless, right now. And so they have a lot of wisdom and perspective of being leaders within the education world in Texas, uh, in the homeschool community, in the homeschool movement uh, for many, many years. And as you can imagine, just being in higher education for many years as well. So uh, it was a great conversation, a lot of very interesting stories and perspectives of how they themselves found their vision for what they wanted to do and how, uh, really why they wanted to do education differently. Fantastic. All right. Well, with all that being said, here's the episode. Please enjoy. Hello. Welcome, Rush and Cindy, uh, to this show. I am very, very excited uh, for our special guest today. Just to introduce you both very quick to uh, our listeners, uh, especially to those of you listening who are part of the Unbound community or have been around Unbound, um, you honestly might not have interacted with Rush and Cindy personally, I must say, but but I can say that you most definitely have felt their influence and uh, just their their passion and uh, investment in all of this. Uh, both Rush and Cindy uh, were on the board for the original College Plus way back in the day for those OG people who remember. And they are also currently on the Unbound board overseeing um, everything at uh, Boundless. Rush is um, an attorney. He has uh, worked uh, as a corporate lawyer for many years. And uh, one very interesting uh, fact is that he was the coach for uh, high school football, one of the very first teams for homeschoolers in the entire state of Texas. Very cool. Uh, for Cindy, she is a homeschool mom, a grandmother, a leader within the homeschool community. She is a businesswoman with real estate, and she has her PhD in communication. So uh, both extensive life experience. I cannot wait to hear more of your stories. Welcome onto the show. Thank you. Thank you. That was very kind of you. Nice to be here. Yes. <laughs> so Rush, uh, let's start with you. Um there is just so many things, uh, you know, just looking over that list of uh, accomplishments. But yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, how you heard about. Let's just start with the homeschool uh, movement, if you will, uh, back then. Yeah, tell us more about yourself. Well, the homeschool movement was first introduced to me by my spouse uh, when our daughter uh, 
came home one day and talked about wanting to homeschool. My view of homeschooling at that particular time was that what the hippies did from the 60s. So uh, we had to learn a little more about it. And when we did, we became interested in it. Uh, things were much different back then. Cindy can elaborate much better than I can concerning the access to curriculum, uh, what homeschooling was to be, you know, was focusing on, and actually finding a community uh, of other homeschoolers. Uh, when we first started, it wasn't unusual to drive an hour or so in order to, when you found another family that was homeschooling, to actually link up with them and to try and exchange ideas both with the kids uh, interacting with one another as well as with parents uh, kind of exploring different curriculums and things of that nature. So that's pretty much what initially got me involved. Very cool. And Cindy, how about for you? Uh, sounds like you were the one to introduce the family to homeschooling. Uh, how do you hear about it and what drew you to homeschooling? Like Rush said, it was our daughter. She was in kindergarten and she was coming back home from a kindergarten class in the carpool. And she literally burst through the door and said, Mommy, Mommy, I want you to homeschool me. And I, like Rush, looked at her thinking, what is that? I had never heard of it. And she said, Mommy, turn on focus in the family. There's this man, he's a doctor, and he and his wife are talking about it. And it's really cool. And I want you to homeschool me. So it turned out to be Dr. Raymond Moore and his wife, and they really are probably the father and mother of homeschooling in this country, at least in the recent past. Obviously, we've had homeschooling since George Washington, but yeah. But um, the point is, they really reinstated it, especially because as a physician, he was able to speak to the physical, mental, emotional, and psychological development of the child and how much more they could do if they did it from home. So it was, it was excellent. And I listened to it that day and for the rest of the week. And I was convinced. It took him a little tiny bit longer because he, he didn't get the chance to listen to it. He was at work every day. I was at home, so I got to listen to all those. And uh, once he did get to listen to it, we did start homeschooling, and that's where it all began. I see. Okay. So um, when you started homeschooling, and yes, you heard it from Focus on the Family, Fond Memories with a lot of their material as well. Uh, yeah. Were there a lot of other people doing it as well? Rush, you mentioned how it was difficult to find other families. What was that process like, finding like-minded families who were doing this? Well, it was a process of hit and miss, of course. One of the nice things uh, that we had available to us in South Texas at the time was an organization called FEAST, which uh, is an acronym for the Family uh, Educators Alliance of South Texas. So we were able to link up with those folks and begin to meet other families and uh, children who were in the homeschooling community. Primarily, it assisted us in finding materials and curriculum uh, that we could work with. But Cindy can tell you more about uh, the curriculum she ended up initially using, which wasn't so much from a, a standard uh, educational supplier, but was from another organization. Yes, like Rush said, it was Feast where we went to, but we didn't know about them at first. No. And they were very, very fledgling at that time, almost mm -hmm. almost embryonic. They were just beginning. Mm -hmm. And so we just did not know about them. They were on the other side of town from where we were, so we didn't drive by their location. We just did nothing about them. 
we lived in an area where the school district was very coveted throughout San Antonio, mm-hmm. called Alamo Heights. Everyone loved Alamo Heights School District because it was a very good school district. So when we announced that we were going to be homeschooling, you know, the eyebrows went up like, what's the matter with you guys? What are you thinking? You're going to ruin your children and they won't have socialization and you can't educate them. And, and I have to admit, I was nervous about it, but because literally we knew that many people that were homeschooling, zero. Mm-hmm. We began to talk to different neighbors and different ones who I thought might have that kind of like-minded heart, and they were not interested at all. So through a lot of prayer, though, it was just a determination that we felt God directed us. We didn't understand the reasons. We didn't understand where we were going with it. I almost felt like we were just pioneers braving through wild and crazy territory, but um, we weren't, of course. There were others that were blazing through that same wild and crazy territory, but we were alone for the best part of about a year to a year and a half before we were able to connect with some people at Feast. But during that time, um, as an educator, I felt comfortable because I was already a teacher, so that made me feel comfortable that I could do it. Um, but I'd never taught third grade, and Stephanie was going in third grade, and then our little one was like four. I actually went to two school districts. I went to the Christian school where Stephanie was going for first grade and second grade. And then I went to the Sam Houston, Fort Sam Houston public school, which was near us. And I talked with the principals, talked with the teachers, got their curriculum. They were so on board. By the time I left talking with them, they all said, we'll give you our curriculum for third grade and preschool. And you can have access to it anytime and to us anytime. And if it doesn't work wow. out at the end of this year, just put the child back in school. So that was very <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say, that's what we did. And, and I guess the, the coolest story that happened that was very eye-opening to me was I spent that first few months following the exact way I would teach it if I were teaching in school. You're up in the morning at a certain time. You do the Pledge of Allegiance. You, you, know, you do your multiplication tables by memory. You know, all the things we did as teachers at that age, for that age group. And we finished the entire third grade year by Thanksgiving. Wow. <laughs> Do you hear that? By Thanksgiving. So I was like, wow. oh my goodness, if I go at this rate, she's going to be a senior when she's sixth grade. I'm going to have to slow down a little bit. And so um, hmm. at that point, I asked Stephanie what she was thinking about homeschooling. She said, oh, mommy, I just love it. And I'm like, oh, that's so neat. I thought she was going to say, because I just love being home with you. You're so much fun. <laughs> but here's what she said. She said, I love being home and everything. But what I really like is I don't have to waste all my time. Mm. And I said, what do you mean waste your time? She said, well, you know, in school, mom, you have to stand in line to get a drink of water. You have to stand in line to yeah. all go to bed. Same time. You have to stand in line for the math guys to finish so you can get your next thing to go to the next lunch period to stand in line to get your lunch. She said, There's so much wasted time. And this is a third grader talking. Yeah. And I thought, Oh man, <laughs> she is so on target. That's true. Wasted hmm. time. Inevitably wasted time. In other words, with 25 children, you can't help but do it that way. But with a few, you can do it entirely differently. That one on one is yeah. pretty needed. So yeah. we, we took the time then to. Uh, incorporate music and art and horse riding and all kinds of other wonderful things into the traveling into our curriculum after that and it was much more fun for me that way and for them I think yes I mean that is so cool to hear because when we talk about even Unbound and a lot of what we talk about uh, it is 
all about project-based learning. It's about we learn by doing. We learn um, by getting out there. Uh, as you mentioned, homeschooling allows you the opportunity to go out, explore and do other activities uh, contrary to popular belief, I guess you could say, where you're not just stuck at home all the time. There is, it's so true, where uh, when you have a larger group, it's just the fact that you have to waste time, you know, in line, in order. There's just different things like that. Just looking at uh, how things happened, obviously, we uh, know you through both College Plus and now Unbound. Uh, I'm very curious to hear about how you guys uh, went from homeschooling and, and being part of this type of um, alternative learning and education, if you will, into the college world where, um, yeah, getting into you know college online or just learning differently. Uh, what was that process like? Well, why don't I start and then you can take over. Um, you know, honestly, what you take just, over, you heard that, didn't you? What you just said about about project based learning is so is so accurate because that's exactly what we found out we were doing. I didn't have that term yet, but that's exactly what we're doing, and it was so much better. Everyone knows that you can learn by seeing, by hearing, but you always learn better by doing, and then you really learn very well by teaching. So that's the cool part that we found. People in these other schools that I told you about, the Alamo Heights schools, when we came out to the Hill Country, the, uh, it was a Kerrville school. There was a school in uh, at Fort Sam that asked is the one I told you about. They asked my children as they watched my children learn better, would you come and teach our children how to do this? We were invited to teach um, writing and music and I think drama, art, several things that they invited my children to come into their school and teach. So that gave us the impetus to realize, you know what, this is right. This is good. It's really working. This is God's way. And we stopped using the term alternative education and we started using primary, basic, true, real, genuine, words like that, education, the best way to teach. And um, in fact, my aunt, who was on the board of regents of the University of Texas, we had educators on my side of the family a lot. When I told her about it, I was expecting a little, you know, concern. She said, if I could do it again, that's how I would do it. I would do all my children the way I could. So we got really good feedback that way. When Stephanie, again, when she was getting ready to graduate, she had done so well on her SATs. We just decided to have her take the SATs for fun to see how well she did. And of course, there were some people that we knew that had not homeschooled that did a whole lot worse than Stephanie. She made a 13 something, 1390, some, or 1410 in that ballpark without, we didn't take a course. We just took the test. And um, of course they said, well, that's just because she had more time to study for it. And I thought, yes and hmm. no, we didn't study for the test, but we did project-based education this whole, all these 12 years, well, nine years. So she's the reason why we ended up deciding to do a different way also for college. And that was because we saw in the educational system at the university level, a lot of socialistic influences that have been filtering in for a dozen years or more. We saw a lot of negative social influences, of course, the kinds of things that we were concerned about. And then we saw a great big lot of money going down the drain, thinking we're really going to spend that kind of money to pay for someone to tell our children, why are, ask our children, why are you a Christian? Or to demean them or to teach them about socialism or that as far as being a positive thing, not just as an educational tool. And we really decided we didn't know what to do. We didn't want her to not be educated because we believe in 
excellent ambassadors for Christ. We must be as excellent as we can be. We can't just stop somewhere. We have to keep going. And that way we represent Christ more excellently. And that's the best we can do. So he and I just prayed and prayed and talked to lots of people. And one night we really felt like we had direction from the Lord to start a college. And although it was shocking, um, we really, really believed that was the Lord talking. And um, we, after that, because we felt like he said to start a college, and, and I just questioned him and said, why? And, and it's almost like God said so clearly, well, every college had to start somewhere. And I was like, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that makes sense. So we reached out to colleges and pastors and prayer warriors for one year. And we did our research, and then we started a college that we called the Royal Academy of Christian Higher Education for Ladies, the acronym RACHEL. And then we had guys that wanted to do it. So we started the Men's Institute for the same thing, and we called it Michael. And we probably had about 40 that went through during all of that, maybe a few more than that. And, and we had some very good success. One of our students has been a uh, Rhodes Scholar. Um, we have others that are moms and teaching their children at home. We have others that are nurses and we have a doctor. We have different ones and different, they, they really did start their education well in the university level. So what we did was took three years of us teaching them through actual educators. I brought teachers in from Louisiana. One man, one doctor came in from Harvard. We had UT, we had many different universities that were supporting us and they came and taught us classes for a period of time giving a lot of assignments, live, hands-on, face-to-face, teacher teach, teaching, and then they would give the assignments, then they would go away, and I would oversee them doing their assignments and their exams, and their, the teacher would sometimes come back once, twice, three times. We had one guy that came every month. We did all of ours, rather than online, all of ours were in person, and then we did the supplemental uh, different kinds of uh, lessons. In order to add a little bit, Abe, my perspective's a little different, obviously, than Cindy. Cindy was the administrator, the person who made it happen. I had kind of a three-pronged approach. As the kids were growing up, and I was looking in the work workaday world at what young people, the kind of young people I was encountering, I had a, a spiritual and emotional and a uh, intellectual series of concerns. Spiritual had to do with the fact that a lot of the kids that were coming out of university models or universities at the time were coming out very secular oriented. Their worldview was not Christian based. It was very much based on a scientific view that discounted or eliminated uh, completely uh, the fact that we, that we are the offspring of a creator of the universe and that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. From an emotional standpoint, I was worried that my child or the children that I that we had come to know, to know were going to end up heading off in a path that that we knew as parents, having had older children as well as growing up, that we knew was going to lead to a lot of harm and problems that they didn't need to have. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we needed to figure out what do you do at the collegiate level for education that helps put young people in a position to do two things. One, transition out of being solely at home with your parents and completely under your parents' authority. And secondly, position to be 
uh, confident enough in yourself and your educational background and your knowledge that you don't walk into what I'll call the secular world and immediately give up all of your your moral standings, your intellectual standings and things of that nature in order to fit in, peer pressure. Exactly, and I just want to throw in, and so our scripture for the college became 1st Peter 3.15, which is always be ready. Right. Okay, that was the one. From that a, was the reason. Yeah. yeah, yeah. From an intellectual standpoint, I wanted to make sure that, that we gave those young people who were interested an opportunity for an alternative that would put them in the, at, at the same level, confident that they could compete in the bigger world as they moved into the various uh, professions. Mm -hmm. And at the time, understand technology's changed. When, when Cindy and I, particularly with Cindy, first set up uh, the colleges, technology wasn't going to allow us to do something sure. remote. You yeah. needed to be together. As time went by, and it, once I first met Brad, and we got involved with the opportunities or the possibilities of doing something on a more remote basis. We began to do that. When we started College Plus though, it wasn't anything like what you see now with Unbound because technology has enabled us to make communities online and young people are, are much more adept at having a community online, but we've also, as you've seen, and obviously, uh, the enthusiasm that exists for Apex and Basecamp and those sorts of things. It also gives an opportunity to have a one on, you know, to have personal contact with other people. It's the best of world. Yeah. yeah. And again, within the confines of the Christian worldview with excellence in education and putting you as a young person in a position that you can walk out the door at the end and feel confident that you can pursue your profession that you can earn a living in the world and you don't have to come of the world. So that's kind of a long-winded response to your question. I love that point, though, uh, that you said um, to be confident as we're in the world, but not of the world. And uh, from, a, from a Christian's perspective, um, you know, I'm very glad, especially with Unbound now, that we are clearly... Um, we can clearly state that we are a Christian organization and that, um, hey, you know, we have an extremely diverse student body, but at the same time, as an organization, we can clearly say, hey, we want to equip you to, to stand for Christ and to, um, to live that out in an excellent way. And so I also very much uh, relate to something, Cindy, you said way back with um, college stuff, uh, just your daughter taking the SATs for fun. Let me just say uh, that is such a homeschool statement <laughs> where <laughs> right. homeschoolers, right? <laughs> and just, yeah, let's take the SAT for fun. Um, <laughs> that definitely has been, um, again, I, I can't say, you know, necessarily across the board, everyone's smarter, but it, it's so true that uh, homeschoolers have the opportunity to learn more and to learn faster, right? And there's uh, less wasted time, you know, having to prep and all these different things. You know, speaking of going into higher education and all that, um, yeah, could you speak a little bit, uh, maybe changing uh, the topics a little bit, uh, even for yourselves and um, with, you know, uh, 
Rush, uh, being an attorney, working as a lawyer, and for Cindy, working in both as an educator in real estate, all these different things. Um, I know a lot of our listeners are also students, unbound students, and they're in that process of going through higher education, preparing, as you said, Rush, to uh, be prepared for the world and to be educated. Um, I would love to hear from your personal experience what that process was like of slowly figuring out what you were called to do and also what you think for young people, for us today, uh, as we go through college and Unbound and the different uh, programs, how we can also, um, with this you know, framework of project-based learning, slowly figure out where we are called to serve. This is a good question. Uh, let me take the latter part first and just say experientially, over the years, I've had the opportunity to directly supervise the hiring of probably in excess of 6,000 human beings in a broad variety of different types of jobs at different types of levels. One of the things that I have been able to say without reserve to the young people that have went through Cindy's colleges, the young people that I got to know through uh, College Plus, Lumeric, and now Boundless, as well as the guys that are coached in football, all the same, it's all the same thing. I will take a homeschooled Christian worldview young man or woman, and I will put them up against anybody in the workplace for just about any entry-level job that you can think of. And I'll hire that that homeschool person will never, will never want for a job because the countenance that they bring because of the way they've chosen to guard themselves and learn and, and create the education that they get, the steps that they have taken are so far ahead of their contemporary, it's scary. I've sat in too many sets of interviews and in too many sets of circumstances where the people on the other side doing the interviewing will look to me and say, Where you, where'd you get these people? I mean, they communicate well. They have strong ideas. They understand what they're talking about. My first strong encouragement is you folks that are going through boundless, when you get to the other end of the road, you will not want for a job because your countenance, your expertise, and your confidence are going to significantly outweigh anybody else who's competing in that world. So be comfortable with that. I've seen it and I am very, very strong about that. Now to go back to how did I get where I was? It was fairly simple. I am absolutely pitiful at the creative arts, writing an interesting story, figuring out what kind of a palette, uh, you know, different things to put in the house and all, I'm, I'm lousy at that. What I did enjoy was math. The nice thing about math was you were either right or you were wrong. And I like the I like the fact that I either got it right or I got it wrong. And if I got it wrong, there was a path to get it right. And so uh, what interested me when I first went to college was uh, the opportunity to get a business degree in accounting. Because back then, I thought accounting was you're either right or you're wrong. You know, it's either put in the right column or it's not. So I went through undergraduate school that way. And I wanted, interestingly enough, and as boring as it may sound, I was interested in tax uh, because I figured out of 100 
young people who would graduate with an accounting degree, two or three would be interested in, in doing tax work. The people in the large accounting firms at the time that were doing well tended to be in tax, in the tax department. The problem at the time was is you couldn't get into tax without having a law degree because there were no MPAs, Masters of Public Accounting back then. You had to go to law school. So that was the initial reason that pushed me towards going to law school. I want you to remember that when I went to law school, Cindy and I had been married for three years. Well, actually, when I was getting out of law That's school, true, yeah, yeah. but when I went to law school, we'd been married two years. At least a year. Two years. Two years and, had, uh, and had one child uh, by that time. Going to law school was, wasn't an easy choice, but it was a choice that I was fairly interested in doing. And she, on the other hand, was uh, more than willing to support in a myriad of ways that people who have been married a while understand, people who haven't been married yet, it's a great lesson that you're going to learn as you go through life. Spoken from a man who's been married 51 to almost 52 <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. So, that is, is amazing. Yeah. Happens so fast. Gabe, you would not believe it. Just blink your eye. And Whoa. So when I graduated, not to continue to bore everybody, when I graduated, <laughs> one of the things that came to mind, I remember in the third year going, you know, I've, I've spent three years of my life doing this. I need to. I need to find out what it's like in the courtroom. So as opposed to going with an accounting firm uh, to be in their tax department, I ended up going to a litigation firm and uh, started out doing insurance defense, uh, fender bender type cases uh, in the courtroom and, and found that I kind of enjoyed it. And then it led 18 months later to a significant change just to show you that the Lord has different things for you all the time. Uh, a, significant, a significant change, and we ended up uh, through uh, a friend of ours harassing me about never having been out of my comfort zone. We ended up taking a job. I ended up taking a job with the Arabian American Oil Company in Dahran, Saudi Arabia, and taking my darling wife, our oldest boy, and our and our one year old to the Middle East for four years. Yes. And I know as we were uh, preparing for the podcast, you mentioned that. And that is so fascinating. Again, that's something I uh, will love to hear more about. Um, but it sounds like for your journey, it was definitely just following the interest that God gave you and, and following different doors that opened. Um, what would you say that was how it was? Or what, did you more have a picture of what you wanted to do? Yeah, good point. No, I did. Having a picture of what I wanted to do at 18 years old? No. Uh, having interest, what I tended to go through with mentors as well as on my own was an exploratory process of trying to figure out what I liked, what I didn't like, what I could do, what I couldn't do. As I told you, I wasn't the creative arts in me. I could not do what you do. Uh, it would be just horrible. The, the, the product would not be worth the effort. But in other areas, I had more capabilities and more interest. It's similar to what we ended up over time devising as Navigate, the Navigate course that helps people to explore interests versus capabilities versus talents. So I think I went through a process that was similar to what we hope that we're putting uh, our new students through in the Unbound. 
Very cool. Very cool. And Cindy, for you, um, what was your process like? And, um, you know, as Rush mentioned, um, you know, part of that with being part of the family was uh, moving around and, and all that. So um, did that also factor into uh, how you were able to pursue um, your vision and things like that? Very much. In fact, from the time I was a little girl, I knew that I wanted to have four children. They were all going to be girls. They were going to be quadruplets, <laughs> and they were going to be nat- named Annette, Nanette, Jeanette, and Vonette. But God had a better plan. I got my four children, but three boys, one girl, and they were all three years apart, about three or four years, So, which was a blessing. But, um, but I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to be a mother. I wanted to, I loved children and wanted to be around them and I wanted to train them. And I it was very, very important to me that, that I lived a life that modeled good things for children. And I can even think even as a teenager, when someone offered me a cigarette and I had never had a cigarette. And I remember this person offering it to me and I was babysitting and I'm like, no way. I would not, if I'm going to try a cigarette, I'm not going to try it in front of children. It was important to me that I role modeled to them how they should be living. So that was always important to me. But I think one of the things that I never thought I would do, and like Rush said, God has a way of, I don't know, some people call it a sense of humor. Tapping you on the shoulder. He knows what we should do, and we don't. We think we do. Yeah, I never, ever wanted to be a teacher. I did not want to be a nurse. I did not want to be a secretary. Those were the kind of main roles that were offered for women in that and when I was growing up, it was one of those three basic things. I knew secretary was out. Never, never did I want to go be somebody's secretary. Number two, and first of all, I don't have the skills and still don't really. So it's a good thing I didn't have to do that. Number two, I thought being a nurse of anybody, that was just horrible. How sickening, care for sick people. No. Number three, teaching. Mm, that was just boring. That was not let me it. I wanted to be the president or I wanted to be maybe a surgeon. Those were my like, two things. When I soon realized I wasn't going to be the president, I had to choose my children over the president. I thought children are so much better. That's awesome. And little by little, over the years, I saw God put me in every one of those roles that I didn't want to have and learn them and enjoy them and be fulfilled in them. That was the cool part for me is to be able to excel as a nurse when you in health items, when you just thought that was the last thing you ever wanted to do or to be able to excel I can almost excel in the tech world, not quite, but I'm getting there with your help today. I was able to get, you know, so some of the secretarial things, I'm calling the secretarial a little more like admin things they call them today, but obviously I went that route and loved it. As soon as I had that first child in my little hands, I remember thinking, what am I going to do with this little person? How am I going to teach him? And then I became a teacher. So yeah, God had his ways. Real estate, that's down the road later. It was a culmination of all the other things that, that we did. I mean, from being a book to teaching advocate to uh, university students and others in San Antonio for 19 years, that crazy etiquette that I thought that's the last thing I wanted to do besides those other three things I didn't want that's to do. Correct. And that all ended up in a book and a college and some other things that can't even begin to tell you the blessings from those, from that. But if you do it God's way, you see, because you can take etiquette, let's just use that as an example, whatever you, what you're doing, actually what, being a teacher, any of it, and you can do it the world's way and it's just empty. Or you can take that same thing and do it God's way and find real meaning. And I'll give you the example in etiquette. When someone called me to teach a class and I said, no, I can't do that. I don't like etiquette. I think that's terrible. All those rules and regulations. No, I'm not going to want to do that. 
And then I learned that actually etiquette is based on three principles. Those these three principles are scriptural principles. And I don't know that Emily Post or any of those etiquette gurus knew this, but every one of these three principles can be found interwoven in all of their teaching. And all you have to do is teach those three principles and not the hundreds and hundreds of rules and people know exactly what to do next. So I began to teach that and it was it was just beautiful to see how God pulled that together. So that, that's my story. Well, I think it's I think it becomes fairly obvious that one of Cindy's strengths is that she is, in my words, a gatherer. She can walk into a room and she can size it up pretty quickly. She's very good at this and can help gather people into communities. And she does an outstanding job with that. She's much, much better than than I am uh, at those sorts of things. Uh, and and before you know it, everybody in the room's comfortable because she's good at making sure that everybody in that room or in that place feels wanted and noticed and uh, loved. Real and that's the that. principle of responsibility. <laughs> we'll go into that another time. Yeah. That I, hey, I would love to go into that another time. That sounds very fascinating. And again, goes into what we were talking about earlier with taking learning and learning from a different perspective, uh, where I very much agree where it's not just about learning hundreds of rules, where honestly, that's what I would think about as well with etiquette, but going deeper into the principles of, yeah, this is the way you should be thinking. It's, um, it's a completely new perspective. And that is very fascinating. Yeah. And so um, on that topic of principles, as we wrap up this episode, we um, definitely have lived through many changes. Um, even in my relatively young life, <laughs> we've just lived through uh, 2020. And as uh, all of us listening will know, there has been a lot of changes um, in the world. Um, sadly, many negative uh, or just simply changes to life. Uh, the education world is very different. And uh, that is why we are partially doing what we want to do with Unbound to really show that there is, I dare say, a more effective, a better way to learn, you know, to to get in higher education. So that being said, um, what would you say to both uh, parents and students or educators today who are living in this post-2020 world? We're in the you know, the 20s right now, thinking about these different things of like how to approach learning again, how to uh, do things differently. What would you say to students who feel a little discouraged with the traditional college system and are looking for a new way to actually learn better? I guess I'd start out by saying never have I seen in my lifetime the opportunity to return to the best form of education that has existed in the history of the world. And that is one-on-one -on -one mentor to mentee. The apprentice system of education has always proven to be the most successful, provide the most flexibility for learning. Uh, we have the technology today that we didn't have before that allows students, both on an interactive as well as a uh, Socratic method, to learn things and yet still be part of a community. Uh, I think COVID has shown us on a greater scale uh, to a greater portion of the population, at least in the United States, uh, that that 
that there are alternatives to traditional brick and mortars. My concern tends to be how we can try and create for parents a vision of how their young people can move from being in their homes under their complete authority into a transitional stage in an organization that's there to protect their moral and Christian standards. You know, we're not here to prove that God is dead. We're here to do exactly the opposite and to hopefully arm young people with a confidence and a peacefulness that this is not some kind of robotic image we're trying to jam into their head, that this is truly the best way to go forward in life. And we're also here, I think, or have an opportunity now, I think, to show young people that this truly can be done. Everybody who has graduated, or mostly everybody who's graduated from Boundless, who's graduated from Blue Merit, who's graduated from College Plus, are examples that the new folks coming in can look to, who in many instances have been able to pursue careers, satisfactory careers, as well as start families, you know, transition into adulthood, and do it in a spiritually, spiritually fruitful way. Quick example of what I'm, what really kind of drives me is, I want everyone who goes through balance to become a Daniel. I want to be people who can go into any profession, whether it's legal, whether it's uh, medical, whether it's uh, being a welder, whether it's being uh, an entrepreneur, whatever they, they choose to get involved with, that they can be a Daniel. So when everybody's running off to the right or left in the wrong direction, they have the and the ability to stand back and say, you know what, that's not the right way to do this. I choose to do something different. One of the concerns I've had over the years is this, the peer pressure that exists for us all. I mean, the peer pressure exists for us with people who are like age with us, just as it does with younger people. But what I worry about is that we've educated you all to a point and used, and used content and uh, projects and processes that enable you to stand up and say, you know what, that's not the right way to do it. This is the right way to do it. Sometimes you'll fail, but in most instances, you're going to find that you're on the right track. And so the rewards are immensely uh, better than to get tied up in a secular world with those issues. Yeah, and I would just add that um in today's world, as I think it should have probably been true in yesterday's world and in the future world, as Christians, the sinner a Christian can find a verse in God's word that speaks to their heart big time. Some people call that your life verse. Some people call it different things. Someone told me about finding a life verse about 35 years ago. And mine immediately, when I was reading through the Psalms and the Proverbs, jumped out at me from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. In all thy ways acknowledge me, him, and I will direct your paths. And the story that came with that, that I heard, I think I'll focus on the family again, was a man that was in Vietnam. A lot of our friends went to Vietnam during that time. And he was taken captive 
as a prisoner and had a very, very, very negative outlook coming upon and the consequences which would be occurring to him. He decided that since he was being taken captive and he might lose his life after a lot of torture, he decided he might as well just use Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and he just began to sing a, a song, and he began to sing, Jesus loves me. And when he sang that song, one of the cap one of the captors, the people that had captured him, began to sing, hum the song with him. Come to find out, by the time he got to camp, to his camp, which he did not end up being captured, captured all of the different Viet Cong who were hiding in the jungle, hearing the song being sung, had, many of them had been taught that song by some missionaries mm -hmm. 20 years, 10, 20 years before, when they were a little bitty kids. And they came out realizing, this is a Christian. I want to go to the United States. They surrendered to him, and he walked into his camp to his not general, I forget what it was. It must have been a, a captain, I guess, or who it was in charge, maybe a major. And he had like 35 Viet Cong with their hands up, this one man that had been captured, all because of probably three, five, and six. He just let God be known. And I think that's how I started my real estate business, honestly, was just by letting God be known. And as I let him be known and the different things that I was doing, people said, well, I want to know how you do that. Well, the first thing is we do it for the Lord. And if you're not a person of prayer, we need to start right there. And that's been how the build business has built, been built. So same with the educational system. That's, I would suggest everybody find a verse that God speaks to your heart and use that for your life verse. Maybe it's just for a season of your life, but use it and live on it and build on it because you will experience suffering, whether it's because of trials. 2020, mm -hmm. financial stress, illness, whatever it happens to be, we all will go through this world and experience suffering. Better, let's go back to 1 Peter 3, 17, uh, and it says, better that we experience our, our suffering because of doing good than for doing evil. Knowing that our suffering comes from doing good, then we can give it the glory to the Lord for allowing it and for getting us, walking us through it. That's what I would say to all the young people today. 100%. Well, Rush and Cindy, uh, thank you so much for really your investment, first and foremost, of myself having gone through the Unbound program. And I'm sure so many of us listening uh, who are Unbound students, again, really have uh, been blessed because of your of everything you shared, your perspective of how you've let the Lord use you in our lives. And we are very grateful. Thank you for being on and sharing your stories. And um, if you ever have time, I would love to have you on again. There seems to be so many other stories that can be shared. Um, I only wish we had more time. So thank you again so much for just being willing to uh, share a little bit and uh, share your perspective as well. Thank you, Abraham. Thanks, Abraham. We appreciate it. And guys, for those of you listening, thank you so much for listening to this past episode. Uh, again, as you've just heard from Rush and Cindy, there are so many uh, reasons why we want to do Unbound the way we do it. But really, the heart of it all is to prepare young people to be excellent in what they do, but more importantly, to serve Christ well, to be a witness 
uh, I love what Rush said to uh, not be of this world, but to be excellent as we are in this world uh, and not just a part of it. So um, if you want to learn more about Unbound, if you are passionate about young people, about doing things well, about really learning and not just following traditional educational systems, join the movement, learn more about Unbound. We have a lot of information on our website, beunbound.us. You can find all of our links and other information on major social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and so on. And Rush also mentioned the Navigate course. David, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Navigate is a course that we have open. It is a 16-week online course that teaches students a model for stress-free, God-honoring decision-making, along with other principles to equip them to make better decisions throughout their life. Uh, Rush gave an example that uh, he had gotten a lot of the information that he hoped Navigate communicated through just experiencing life and talking with mentors, and that's exactly what we want to give through Navigate. Navigate is the practical life wisdom that can equip you for real world challenges. And so if you're interested, you can get a free four part video series about decision making that goes along with Navigate sent to your inbox by signing up at beunbound.us slash navigate. Yes, be sure to check that out. And as we talk about uh, perspectives and how to be excellent in this world, Join us next week. It is an episode of Unbound Talks where the staff team will be sitting down and going into detail with how to uh, build career experience, how to practically look for opportunities and uh, different ways to explore the gifts that God has given you. You do not want to miss that. That is next week uh, on the Be Unbound podcast. Thank you again so much for listening. I will catch you guys next week.